reading from the book of Romans in the New Testament, and Josh is going to lead us in that reading. So from Romans chapter 8. So Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks, Josh. Uh, It'd be really good if you could keep your Bible open there at Romans chapter 8 and those verses that we just read. Um, This today, of course, is the the wrap-up of our series that we tried to get finished before Christmas but didn't quite achieve, Uh, looking at Romans chapter 5 through to 8. Uh, So we're going to wrap that up today. Where we're going from here is over January and start of February, we're going to be doing a series in the book of Proverbs. Uh, It's called Wisdom Versus Folly. We're going to be looking at a number of the contrasts that we find about life uh, in that book. Uh, And so next week we're going to start, or Phil's actually going to be around because I'll be on holiday for a week. Uh, We're going to be looking at the issue of revenge versus mercy. Uh, We're going to be looking at laziness versus diligence. Uh, We're going to have a look at generosity versus stinginess uh, and a few of those topics that present themselves throughout the book of Proverbs. So um, it's the kind of series that if you are away on holiday, you're in and out a little bit, uh, it should still make a whole lot of sense uh, each sermon on its own. Today, uh, Romans chapter 8. So let's pray before we get into it. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you spoke in the past. Thank you that you continue to speak today. And we ask, Lord God, that you would do that now this morning very clearly through your word uh, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Not just words that tickle our ears, uh, not just words that make sense, but words that speak deeply to our hearts and show us the wonder of the gospel and the wonder of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and his love for us. So please, Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I uh, am more than sure uh, you have figured out, today is New Year's Eve. And as much as we might try and think that this is a day just like any other day in the year, there is something different about it, isn't it? It is a day, it's a time when we take that little bit of a moment to reflect. We will often think about the year that has gone, all the things that have been and we will think about the year which is to come. What's it going to bring us? What's it going to be like? 
Maybe it's a time where you make those New Year's resolutions. Maybe it's a time where you resolve not to make any New Year's resolutions. Uh, maybe it's a time where you, you're just excited about the year to come. Now, I wonder, I wonder this morning how it is that you and I are approaching this new year. How do we, how do we feel about this year to come? Uh, maybe, maybe for some of us, we have this wonderful sense of a new year being a fresh start. It's a clean slate, uh, a new opportunity, a wonderful opportunity to just start from scratch again. And when we go back to school, a new class with a new teacher, or we, we go back to uni, it's a new year with a new opportunity to study hard and pass, or when we go back to work and it's just a, a fresh start, we've got this idea that a new year will bring us a new opportunity. Or maybe, maybe we approach it with this wonderful sense of excitement and anticipation Maybe the things that are lined up in front of us are just wonderfully, wonderfully exciting, and we can't wait to get into it. This is a year of excitement and new happenings and new beginnings, things that are going to be wonderful. Maybe for some of us, there's a fair bit of anxiety about this new year. We're just not sure what it's going to bring. There's so many unknowns, so many things that we... We can't be sure of. We're just really worried about how it's going to play out. Maybe even for some of us, there's a real sense of dread. We don't want this new year to begin. We've just got this sense that it's going to be hard and tough and a slog. And it's just another year to begin. Maybe it's with a sense of ambivalence. Another year, just like the arse, just like the one before that. Maybe with all of these things rolled in together. Now, I don't know what it's like for all of us, for all of you. But I want to suggest something this morning. That this should be a new year that disciples of Jesus... People who know, who love, who follow, who serve Jesus should approach with wonderful confidence and with great hope. Now, I don't say that because I have this crystal ball. And I've seen into the future and I've seen this just, oh, this is a great year for all of you. I I don't do that, can't do that. should do something to me if I do that, that, okay? Uh, Not that. Neither, neither do I say that because I think that life should be wonderful and pleasant and easy for followers of Jesus. That's not the case at all. I can say that, however, because of what God promises in his word. We can say that and know that because of the wonderful truth that these verses in Romans 8, have for us. You see, in many ways, these, these, these nine or ten verses, these are kind of a wrap-up statement of everything that Paul, the writer of this book, has been saying for about four chapters, from since the start of chapter 5. That's what we've been looking at under this, this, this title of new. We've been looking at everything that is new for those who are, as Paul described, justified by faith who are right with God, not because they're good enough, not because they've earned it, not because they're lovely, 
but because they paid, put their faith in Jesus who makes them right with the Father. All of those things that are new and different and good because of faith in Jesus. And now he wraps it up and look at what he says in verse 31. He says, what then shall we say to these things? What should we say to all of this, to all these four chapters? If God is for us, who can be against us? Why hope? Why confidence? Why the enthusiasm? Because if God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Why such hope? Why such confidence? It's found in the gospel. It's found in the good news of Jesus Christ. Crucified, dead, buried, raised to life. Ascended to the right hand of God. If God the Father was willing to do that for us, how much more will He graciously give us absolutely everything that we need? How do we approach this new year? With hope and in confidence, not because we know what's going to happen, not because we can control what we do and what, what happens, but because of the work of God in Christ. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, in particular, Paul the writer here then goes on to explain two things, two things which are for us, which give us this great confidence and hope. Two outworkings of this God being for us, of God graciously giving us all things. That's what we're going to focus our attention on. And the first one is, is that because of the work of God in Christ, we are not guilty. We are not guilty before God today, tomorrow, and when Jesus comes back again. Have a look at how he goes on here in verse 33. And he asks another question. He says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? What is he picturing here? He's picturing... He's picturing Judgment Day, isn't he? He's picturing the day when each and every person who has lived will stand before God, the good, righteous judge of heaven and earth. And he's asking a question, who will bring a charge against God's elect? I tell you what, I can think of some people or some things that might bring a charge against us on that day. What about, what about people who know us really, really well? You know, who, who get to see behind the facade of niceness and kindness that we, you know, as Christian people get pretty good at putting up? What about people that we've lived with? Do you reckon they might be able to bring a charge against us on that day? What about, what about people that we have hurt in life? Do you reckon that people that we've hurt might be able to bring a charge against us on that day? What about Satan? I mean, he's known as the accuser, isn't he? he? He would love to bring an accusation against us on that day to the Father about the way that we've lived. And what about God himself? 
could he bring a charge against us on that day? He who knows our every thought, our every word, our every motive, the state of our hearts, could he bring a charge against us? Well, interestingly, Paul doesn't answer the question about who. Paul answers the question of the verdict. Look at what he says as that verse continues. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It is God who declares us to be not guilty and not just not guilty, but right. God declares us to be innocent. Now, why doesn't he answer the question about who might bring a charge against us, about people who know us, people we've hurt, Satan himself, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what charge or what accusation there is on that day, the judge has already said that we are innocent, that we are not guilty. Well, how can he do that? Let's go on to the next verse because it tells us. It says, who is to condemn? Who will judge us and condemn us and send us to eternal punishment? Look at how he answers. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who is indeed is interceding for us. What does he point to? He points to our defense lawyer. You know, he's, he's picturing a court and we have been appointed a defense lawyer who's working pro bono. He's doing it for free. And who is he? He's the one who died. He's the one who was raised. He's the one who was sent to high. He's the one who was interceding, who was pleading our case to the Father. And what is he doing? He's pointing to his own work. How can the Father say, how can the judge say, not guilty? Because the defense attorney has stood before him and says, I have paid for all of it. Now, now, if this was one of those TV, law, court shows, uh, we would say, hang on, this, this is a little bit dodgy here. And we've got, we've got a judge and a defense lawyer who are in cahoots. I mean, the judge has already made up his mind. He, he's already said not guilty. And the defense lawyer, he's somehow worked out a plea bargain in, in the case. And in the way, it is a little bit rigged. But rigged in a way that justice has been met. but not on us, but on Christ, on our Savior, who suffered and who died in our place. Uh, 2018, 2018 may be the year in which Jesus comes back. This could be the last New Year's Eve that there is. Jesus may come back and you and I may all stand before God on Judgment Day. Should we be worried? Should we be concerned? Well, the 
if we are one of those who belong to Christ, who've been chosen, loved, saved, glorified with him, there is no fear for that day. There is absolute confidence because God has already now declared our faith. Christ has already paid the penalty and will plead our case to the Father. All there is for us on that day who trust in him is glory to our Savior Jesus for all that he's done. Do you have that confidence going into 2018? Is that your hope and your certainty? Are you sure that is how it will go for you? Now, as many of us think over the last uh, 12 months, maybe even longer, um, it's hard not to also, as we think of all the good things that have happened and the hard times, uh, it's hard not to also focus on our failures, is it? It's hard not to think of those times when we have hurt others, when we've let other people down, when we've failed to honour God, we've not loved Him as he should, we should, we've not spent time in His Word, my guess is that many of us here have uh, those moments, maybe not from the past year, but maybe from years gone by, that they, they just continue to haunt us. I don't know about you, but I've got things, things from my life that I'm really, really ashamed of. Things that I, I don't want anybody to ever know. Things that I know Christ has forgiven me for, but yet somehow my heart won't let go of. Things that Satan uh, wants to continue to accuse me of. To tell me that I'm a failure. To tell me that God could never love me. To tell me that I'd never be good enough. How do we think about those things? How do we deal with those things going forward? Here we're reminded that my confidence and my hope is not actually based on how I feel about my life and my worthiness and my forgiveness. Here we're reminded that those words of accusation fall on deaf ears when it comes to God because He has wiped it clean in Christ. It is not an issue between Him and me. It will not be on the final day. It won't even be a concern. And it should not be today. It 
shouldn't be a reason which I hide from God and don't spend time with Him. It shouldn't be a reason why I'm, I feel unworthy and I, I fail to come to Him with it. Because in Christ, He has declared me once and for all to be not guilty, to be right in His eyes. Why does He do that? Why? How could He do that? Because He loves us. That's the second reason that Paul gives us here for such wonderful confidence and hope. Great certainty and security is because God loves us in Christ. Have a look there at verse 35. Starts with a question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Look at how the section ends there and down in verse 39. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It starts with the love of Christ. It finishes with the love of God in Christ. That's just different ways of saying the very same thing. It reminds us of God's love in Christ. Now what does it do in the middle? It asks a question. What could possibly separate us from that love? Is there anything that could ruin, destroy, remove us from that love of God in Christ? Ask the question, what about tribulation? Tribulation often refers to a time of intense persecution for those who follow Jesus. What about in that time before Jesus comes again and it is hard and it is difficult to be a follower of Jesus? Could that separate us from the love of God in Christ? What about persecution? What about poverty for, for famine and nakedness? What about danger or sword? What about, what about things in creation? What about things that I do? What about evil powers? Can they, could they, might they separate us from the love of God and Christ? And his answer, no. Nothing, never can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ. Nothing, never, no. Not even you or I. Not even you or I, once we come to know Jesus and trusted Him, could do something, could be so wayward and rebellious and sinful that it would move us outside of the love of God for us in Christ. We couldn't do it. What about if God got sick of me, sick of my whining and my complaining, sick of my waywardness and my constant failing. No, nothing, never could separate us from that love. What if Satan and all of his evil hosts were lined up in opposition to us to force us away from God? Couldn't do it. Can't happen. Nothing will remove us from the love of God in Christ. Now think for a moment about think for a moment about your closest, most intimate human relationship. Now for some of us that might be a really good friend. Uh, for some of us it might be uh, a brother or a sister, or maybe mum and dad or one of our kids, or maybe our marriages. Think about, think about that close intimate relationship for a moment. 
Think about all of the things that could happen that could tear us apart. There's a whole world of them, isn't there? Things that I could do, I could do that oh, I could shatter, shatter my marriage. Or things that somebody else might, might do. Or things that come from the outside in and, and, and split people apart. Think of all those things that could, could ruin a relationship. But yet not one of them, not one of them could remove us from the love of God in Christ. Not a single one. Not even the worst of the worst could stop God, our Heavenly Father, loving us in Christ. Now, I can't promise that this is going to be a good year or a nice year. In fact, right in the very middle of this, uh, Paul quotes Psalm 44, uh, which speaks about the suffering of the righteous, the suffering of people who are right with God, and how tough and how hard it is living in a broken and fallen world when you know and love Jesus. Paul knew it. Paul, Paul knew how tough it was to follow and to serve Jesus. And he knew all the things that could happen. And I look around this church, I look around South Bow, and I think about the people here, and we know it too. We know that it's not always easy. And there are hardships and difficulties and challenges. But yet none of them, none of them, ever for a moment separate us from the love of God and Christ. So 2018 might go really, really well for you or me. It might be a year in which we saw it all works out well. All our plans come to fruition. And we might grow proud and arrogant because of it and forget about God. And yet not for a moment will we have been separated from his love. It might be a year that is full of financial disaster. House prices might crash, stock markets might go down, jobs might be lost, businesses fail. It could be, could be a financial write-off. And yet not for a moment will we be outside of God's love for us in Christ. might be a year in which somebody really close to us hurts us and betrays us. It might be a year in which someone that we thought we could count on is not there for us in a time when we really need them. And we feel betrayed and alone and lost. And yet not for a moment, not for an instant, will we be outside of God's love for us in Jesus? Nothing. Never. In fact, Paul says that in all of these things, in all of these things, we will be more than conquerors through him who loves us. In all of these things, we will stand and be certain 
and secure in Christ who loves us. Let me ask you, is that, is that the source of your joy and your hope and your confidence heading into 2018? The alternative, well, there's a couple of them, one of them. One of the alternatives is that we, we're wonderfully confident, but we're basing it on the wrong thing. We're wonderfully hopeful about the coming year, but we're basing it entirely on what, what we can do. Uh, be careful. Uh, the rug might be pulled from underneath you. Uh, this year for us didn't quite go as we anticipated or planned and probably possibly for some of you as well. And if our confidence is based on what we can see and what we can do and what we can manage, it'll very quickly be rocked and shaken. It needs to be in someone, in something beyond us. In the God who has declared us to be not guilty in his son. In the God who loves us. Maybe this is the year that you want to know that hope. And you want to know that confidence more fully. Maybe at the moment you're filled with dread and anxiety and nervousness about what is to come because it's outside of our control. Confidence is going to be found in drawing near to God through His Son. Knowing the wonderful freedom to be declared not guilty in His sight. To know and experience His great love for us. If you have one goal, one ambition, one, one desire, heading into this new year. May it be to draw near to our God and our Savior. May it be to know, know His love, to know His fatherly care and affection for us, to be found safe and secure and hopeful in knowing and loving Jesus. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the riches that are ours in Jesus. The riches for undeserving, unworthy, sinful people that have been poured out on us on abundance in Christ. We thank you, Lord God, that we are yours and you are ours. Today, tomorrow, and forever. May this be our hope, our confidence, our joy, and our peace. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.